This is the Trail Trash Podcast. Hello, everybody. This is another edition of the Trail Trash Podcast. Jason here with Garrett, Will, and John for a wonderful episode recap of John's illustrious time at the rim to ridge to river, whatever the hell it is, 100 miler. Um, but before we get into that, I want to give a quick plug to some uh, to some friends of mine. Um, the Mad Cow Trek Club and uh, Kemp Chet are putting on a race. Uh, this is for the local folks listening. It's called the Snowball 6-12-hour in- endurance run. Going to be in Whitwell, Tennessee. Um, I have personally been on this course. It is a very challenging course um, and is also very runnable. Um, it looks to be a good time. It's uh, it's going to be uh, January 14th. Um, I believe the race time starts at like 9 a.m., um, so if you're looking to jump into a, a pretty cool race put on some by some great people, um, give it a look, um, you know, and, and sign up for it and go out there and have a good time running, running around, uh, running around up there on top of the mountain. So, uh, so it should be fun. So just want to do that before we get started and to, uh, what's the elevation? Oh, it's, um, it's five, five mile loop. It's a th- it's each loop thousand has miles. a thousand, thousand has a thousand feet. miles per loop thousand feet per loop thousand feet per loop sorry Be- best race in the area January February yep I'm, I may I may say fuck it and jump in that six hour I'll be you there Kara be there John's gonna be there maybe <clears throat> have to say too for anyone out there who's interested in running an ultra but maybe hasn't tried it yet like the fixed time format like this is like an excellent way to try it out oh absolutely Um, yeah you know you can come out and run whatever you want like if you want to run a few laps and just hang out and eat some chili or whatever they're cool um you know get back out there walk around you know it's it's a great way to see how far you can go it it really is and and to put on and and just to put on top of all that you know it's it's put on by some really good people that um that really, I think, just enjoy running. Um, you know, um, Colleen and Joel just really enjoy, um, you know, running and and getting out there and having a good time. And that's that's kind of what this race is like. It's just, you know, it's 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 definitely uh, that you know this is the second year of the race, um, so it's 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 one that you know it's it it it's you know the more it's put on, the more notoriety it's going to get. And like Will was saying. It's one that a lot of people hasn't heard of, but, you know, you really should give it a look from the standpoint of it's it's very, you know, challenging. And it's it's you know, we we had, you know, Julie Height, who just came in second female at Penhody. She was there last year, I think, you know, so, you know, we and I think Francesca Muccina was Muccini was out there last year. So, you know, definitely some some uh, some big runners showed up last year for it. So. Um, definitely give it a look if you if you haven't and uh and 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 think about it. It's should be a good time. So well, you know, Joe and Colleen, they don't put this race on for the money. They're not trying to squeeze every nickel out of out of people. They're they're doing it just because they love the sport and they want to see people come out and have a good time. They're good ambassadors for the sport. Yeah, they really are. They they absolutely are. I couldn't I couldn't agree anymore because you know they're definitely in it just for the love of running and and for what you know the community aspect of it and um you know i've been you know if it wasn't for them and uh you know will and and you know you know i I probably would not have gotten into ultra running and you know i got to run with the the run group tonight and you know realize how much i've I've missed it because i haven't been running with the group and it's just it's just they're just a bunch of good people and it's a good time and um you know the cool thing for for this year is that the race is actually a a trail sisters approved race which that is something new um so you know the trail sisters you know obviously you know 
you know, a, a great community here and, you know, they support, they support this race, they approve the race. And so it's definitely something to think about. And like I said, you know, we're used to all running the same races, right? I mean, we do the same thing over and over again, jump into something new, do try something new, do something different and uh, see what you think. So. And like John was saying, all you have to do is commit to five miles at a time, right? It's, it's a five mile loop. It's a challenging loop. Every five miles, you're going to see your friends and family, an aid station, a chair, if you want it. Yeah. Great way to, you know, if you're looking for like a distance PR, you know, great format to do that. If you're just looking to have a good time, you know, great thing, you know, like I said, um, just come do whatever you want. It's up to you how far you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Fixed time, especially that six to 12 hours, a lot of fun, 24 hours. in. That's when it starts to get not as ideal. <laughs> well, if you're, if you're a kind of a fast runner, that's when you're probably approaching 70 to a hundred miles. So you're not going to feel well. I wouldn't yeah. think. Unless you're, unless you're like Bob Hearn, Greg Armstrong, Camille Heron, Nick Curry, Nick Curry. Yeah. I was just about to say Nick Curry. Those guys. I've, I've done a 24 hour with uh, Luke Bolschweiler. He knocked out, I think he, he knocked out a hundred miles and then went and took a three hour nap and then went back for more. How many did you run during that time, Garrett? That was, that was a terrible day. I went 66 <laughs> miles. Just um, so awful. So awful. You, the, God, well, there, was, there was one point when both my hip flexors were flaring up and I'm moving because it was easier for me to move sideways up a hill than normal. <laughs> Isn't it? So I was walking though? sideways up this hill because it, it hurt less to do it that way. You hurt that bad, all you know, had all those things going on with your body, but you still were able to manufacture 66 miles. That's yeah. right. It goes, Even, it goes to show you a lot about a person, a human body. Mm-hmm. Um, what people, the limitations people put on themselves aren't really the real limitations. But anyway. So I think the, that's one of, the, one of the great things about ultra running is it shows you a whole lot more of what you can do than what you think you can do. So the moral of the story is if Garrett and his dainty hips can get 67 miles, <laughs> then you can go out to Snowbull and uh, and have a good time out there and uh and just and just have fun. So anyway, that's 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 the plug for for the Mad Cow Trek Company and the Snowbull 612 hour. Remember, January 14th on Ultra Sign Up, get on there, register, give it a shot. I'll bring, a Yeti, check out- I'll, I'll bring a Yeti cooler of beer for us. And check out Monica's store down there in McMinnville, the Mad Cow uh, company. running company. Yeah. yeah, get your supplies there. Get you, it's 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 a great store. It may be a little bit out of the it may be a little out of the way, but but it is it is a great store that has like true trail running supplies. It's not it's not your standard running store that just stocks the you know the the run of the mill Brooks and all that kind of stuff. You know, she has Solomon packs. She has trekking poles, black diamond trekking poles. She has, uh, Koros watches, um, Garmin watches. Oh yeah. I mean, she Garmin, she has everything, uh, you know, love me a Garmin and awesome watch. And, and on top of it, she has really built, um, you know, the community that she has uh, uh, built there around that store, you know, the, the running group that she's, I mean, that running group is huge now that comes out there and runs with her. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. So anyway, give, go, go, just go see Monica and, uh, and go run the snowball. So, you know, building running communities and we'll move on, but you, you were talking about Joel and Colleen and what they've done for the, the sport in the area. Joel and Colleen started mad cow in the Murfreesboro area. Monica joined them. Right. Then they opened the store and then Monica carried the torch to McMinnville and started a whole new running culture in McMinnville. So I just also show you what Joel and Colleen has done in this area, just by, you know, spreading the word and, and being who they are. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like Kevin Bacon, the six degrees of Joel and Colleen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So it's pretty cool anyway. stuff. So w- with that being said, I think we need to move on to, John's illustrious 100 mile extravaganza 
I thought it was had, like 70 miles extravaganza. I, I purposely withheld all my questions until tonight. I got to <laughs> know. I did too. I had a couple and then I like, I asked them and I got re- a really garbage response. So I was like, <laughs> you're just going to hit him on, hit him on the spot tonight where he has to at least give us more of a, a more than a half ass answer. So what was the response? What was the garbage? One? It, it was just like a, it was like a yes or a no response. <laughs> I can't even remember. It was like, I asked him a question. He was like, yes. Well, it was probably an eggplant emoji. Is probably your, your definition of a garbage response isn't it, it doesn't apply to me and John the same way because my garbage responses are not yes or no so I just wanted to see what he said to you you're a little bit more PG <laughs> that's right so let's get into it um, a little bit okay going into this race going into rim the river oh my god how... he said it right did he no he left the hundred <laughs> out he forgot so going into rim the river. How did you feel, like physically, mentally? Where was your mind on that how, Thursday? How, how, that how Thursday before the race, how were you feeling? That's right. Yeah. All right. So, all right. We'll we'll back up a little bit here. Um, I mean, elephant in the room is I I, I didn't finish it. I DNF'd. Um, got to mile seventy one, and that's where my race ended. Um, but. If we go back a little bit before that and kind of talk about going into the race, um, you know, I was feeling good about the race. Uh, this was my third time at the race. I had finished both previous um, attempts at it, both in 2020 and 2021. Um, so actually in the first two years of the race as well. <clears throat> so it's really cool to be a part of, you know, the first several runnings of it um yeah it's just looking back had such a good time the first couple times um and you know it's just special since it's my first one uh that's excited to go back um and i mean in addition to that it's a wonderfully run race um bryant baker the race director just does a wonderful job of that race um very invested into the community in that area and uh, even at the briefing this year before the race, he talked a little bit about how he wanted to put on um, this race. And then they've got two others now too, um, the Falling Water 100K and Cabin Fever 50K, um, just to bring people into that area, into the community at off times of the year. Um, this race takes place in the New River Gorge, now National Park. Um, so the summer months are a big season as far as like tourism and outdoor activities there. Um, so like it's great for like, you know, whitewater rafting, climbing, mountain biking, hiking, trail riding, all of that. And it is a beautiful area as as well. Um, you know, I've said before that I'm just a sucker for a beautiful course and during the fall this course is just amazing. Um, so yeah, a lot of involvement in the community. And then, um, he uses a lot of the money that he brings in from this race to, to help bring in, um, to help make, you know, all these sports and ways that we love the outdoors to make those accessible to kids who don't exactly have that opportunity and just make it more accessible to them and just, you know, share that love of the outdoors that, you know, we all have. So um, just wonderful, wonderful job that, you know, they're doing up there as far as that. Um, so, yeah, you know, a couple of weeks before the race, you know, started the taper, um, was feeling pretty good, you know, legs fresh and all that. Um, tried to just, you know, cut out as much stress out of my life going in there, uh, just getting all my, you know, gear and stuff together early. Um, you remembered take- it all this time, right? Yes, I did. Made sure I had my pack this time. Uh, double, triple, quadruple checked. Made sure it was like in the front seat right there next to me the entire way up to West Virginia. <laughs> um, but yeah, just tried to get you know as much stuff as I could together before the race. Um, and then the Friday before, you know, drove up um, about a five hour drive from, you know, where I live in North Carolina. Um, and got there, you know, you know, good time in the afternoon. I uh, wasn't hurried to pick up my packet and bib and stuff. Um, got my drop bags dropped off. Um, 
got a hit at a P, uh, Paz and Pints, a local pizza place up there that's delicious. If you're in the Fayetteville area up in West Virginia, um, went to the race briefing, got into bed early, slept uh, an okay amount, um, as about as well as you can before a 100 mile race. You know, staring down the barrel of a 100 mile race the night before isn't always the most relaxing thing. Uh, there's always a lot of, you know, pre race anxiety. But, you know, you know, it went pretty well. Um, probably got around like five hours of sleep. Uh, woke up that morning and, you know, was ready to go. Um, had my two bananas, Cliff Bar, Celsius Synergy drink to get going. Um, did all the pre-race rituals, got all my stuff together and was there, you know, about 45 minutes to a half hour before the race started. And just, I was feeling good at that point. Um Race started at 6 a.m. local time. Um, let's see. I remember a uh, a text, and I think the only <laughs> thing it said was it's warm. So was it was the weather not uh, great in your opinion? Well, and what's warm for you? Like. <laughs> So for a fall race, I mean, warm is going to be if I'm standing there in long sleeves uh, before the or short sleeves before the sun comes up, um, then, you know, it's probably a little on the warm side. But um, so the race was warm, um, like at the start time is probably in the mid to upper 60s. Um, and again, that's before sunrise. During the day on parts of that course, it probably got into the 80s. Um, so it wasn't just awful but it was definitely warm and you know that probably played a factor uh you know both in my races and of several others out there as well and 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 let me just let me interject it that was a that was around you know just remember that was the same weekend as the new york the new york city marathon that was extremely was, warm and they they dealt with heat issues there during yeah, that. Yeah, there's a lot of attrition up there. And so, you know, we're talking around the same type of time frame, you know, the same weekend. So if it was hot in New York, a little bit southern, I would imagine it was probably even warmer in your neck of the woods. And so that had to make it even a little bit more challenging um because what last year what was the start what was starting temperature last year last year there was a cold year like it was it was definitely cold during the nighttime portion of it um it dipped down into like the 30s especially in parts of the course that ran directly across along the river uh, and you get that air blowing off the river uh, and you know, a little bit of a mist as well so it was it was definitely cold so I want to go back so, to the night to the night before. How how do you prefer to how much would you have preferred to sleep? Is five hours normal for you for the night before a hundred? Can you function well off of that? Would you have preferred seven to eight, like a full normal night's sleep? How often did you ever get into REM sleep? I mean, I felt rested enough like five five hours i mean i know that's not exactly the most healthy but i mean compared to like a work night that's probably a pretty average for me um especially like in the past like uh, i worked on i worked overnight for six or seven years straight so i'm no stranger to like operating on little amounts of sleep and being up at weird times of the day do you think that helps you in your hundred attempts, the fact that you're used to working third shift can deal with working <laughs> overnight. Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel like it's helped in the past. Like in 2020, I was still on that shift and um, yeah, I mean. <laughs> do you put your phone? So one of the things I do is I put my phone as far away as possible. Like if I could put it in the bath, if there's a bathroom attached to the bedroom, I'm in, I'll throw it in the bathroom. Because I have this paranoia that I'm going to hit snooze instead of stop or I'll hit, I'm sorry, I'll hit stop instead of snooze and I'll sleep through it. 
And I'm also one of those guys that if my feet hit the floor, it's very hard for me to get back into bed. So I'm just trying to see what kind of tips and tricks you have that work for you. I don't know. For me, I get, I mean, I don't have just like anxiety per se, but I get enough, you know, pre-race jitters that, you know, when that alarm goes off, like I'm, I'm up. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, was, go ahead, Jason. I'm sorry. So, so when you think about, you know, going into this, you know, going into this race, you were from a training standpoint, you know, it seemed like your training was pretty spot on. It seemed like the conditions were less than optimal. So knowing how you were trained and prepared going in, but at the same time, knowing how warm it was, how did that alter how you started the race out? Um, I really don't know if it made a huge difference in the way it started out um, until I got about five or six hours into the race when the heat started to become a little bit noticeable. Um, I noticed that my heart rate compared to like um, my perceived effort um, and like, you know, pace I would normally be able to run, like say I'm like flat runnable terrain. I noticed that it was a little bit higher. So I did like back off a little bit then um, and just tried to take more frequent, like say like walking breaks between like the runnable sections in order just to try to keep the heart rate um, lower. To increase your fluid. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing too. Um, I'm a big fan of rock tame, which is like a 250 calorie per serving drink. Uh, so like 250 calories and like a, in 500 milliliters of fluids. Um, but when it started to become hotter, I was like, well, I can't just, I need more fluids, but I can't keep drinking that many calories compared to the amount of fluids I need. So I kind of need to separate those out. And so I made sure to carry just more, just plain water to drink in that regard. Yeah. I know that I had texted you and and you kind of touched on what I, what I text you was adjust your pace with it being hot, slow down. It'll be fine and increase your fluid. And it sounds like you did that. So. Not that you would have listened to me anyway, because hell, what do I know? I just DNF my race a month before yours. So. <laughs> then with the cell reception out there, there's no telling when I probably would have gotten that. Right. Yeah. And, and, and you already know I'm not giving any advice in a hundred mile race. So and you um, don't want mine. So <laughs> right. So between me and Will, we're useless. So so when did you, you know, when did things feel off for you? Like when did you when did you really feel like that things were not going the way it should, it should be going? At what point was that? Yeah. So um, if we kind of start from like the beginning of the race and just kind of walk through, through it from there. Um, So the first seven and a half miles of the race. um, So it starts at this uh, place called the Ace Adventure Resort. um, And the first several miles of the race take place on their property first seven and a half goes through like these windy like up and down trails um a lot of leaf coverage and it's deceptively technical like it's runnable but there's you know pretty pretty rock and rudy um it's also like the last seven and a half of the race like you come back over that and so when you're hitting that around you know mile 92 three four um that's actually probably like the worst part of that race course uh, just because you come in and you can see the finish line, but you still have to go around all this like winding stuff where you can still see the see and hear the finish line. But man, it that just messes you up so much mentally. But anyways, um, so going through that uh, felt great. Hit the first aid station. Um, so yeah, first yeah, first two or three miles. Um, I wa- probably walked most of that uh, just to kind of ease into the in, ease into things. Um, hit the first aid station around mile seven and a half. Uh, it's called Concho Rim. has this beautiful overlook uh, right as the sun's coming up. Um, stopped there, uh, grabbed a couple pictures, uh, refilled my one water bottle that I'd already drunk and grabbed a few just supplies I tossed in the drop back because I didn't want to carry them for the first couple hours. But um took off from there um was feeling good 
a mile 14, we turned off onto this section that went out to play to um, a nearly abandoned town called Thurmond. Um, I think it has like a population of like five now. Uh, it used to be like a coal mining town. Um, you go out on this um, rails to trail that has like a slight downhill, super runnable, so you can pick up a little bit of time and go out and back on this like road section. It was probably about three-ish miles. Uh, so three miles out, three miles back. Um, I was still feeling good there. Um, got some good views of like, you know, the river. Um, and it's coming back over there that I started, you know, to feel the heat. Because um, on 17, uh, you get back from that out and back and you turn on this trail called the South Side Trail. Um, again, this, that section is super flat. Um, it's very runnable, especially if you're feeling good and early in the race. Um, and that'll take you out to mile 26 or 7 to the next aid station called uh, uh, Cunard or Cunard. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how the locals pronounce that. I don't think I really heard any consensus. But um, along the south side trail there, that um, what is that? Six or seven mile section. Um, that's where things started to heat up. And uh, like I said, I had to start like adjusting like uh, the fluids and calories I was taking in um, and just take a few more frequent walk breaks to, you know, try to keep the heart rate down. And now, is that an exposed section? Are you in some pretty direct sunlight there? Or do you have a lot of tree cover there that would maybe provide some shade, which also could maybe keep some of the heat in if it's not able to get out as easy? Um yeah, um, it's moderate okay. um, covered, I guess. Um, it felt like this year, and compared to previous years, a, a lot more of the leaves had like fallen. Um, there's a lot <laughs> less color out there on the course. Um, and then also, like, the sun was like reflecting a little bit off the river because um, that section is like right next to it. Um, but yeah, that's where it started to feel a little bit warm. Uh, stomach wasn't exactly upset or feeling bad, but I was like, well, it's feeling like it's kind of like a capacity, I guess. Okay. What had um, you eaten to this point? At this point, um, so for like the first five hours, I had a bottle of Roctane like every hour um, and grabbed like one or two um uh, quesadillas at the two aid stations I'd passed up until then. Okay. Um gels or chews or anything like that? Um no, not yet. Okay. Okay. Now are you early in a race, I like to have real real food. I like to save gels and things to when I don't want to chew, uh, because everything else hurts. So chewing is gonna hurt too. Um What's your philosophy on that? It sounds like you prefer liquid calories pretty much throughout. And especially with yeah. Roctane. I mean, that's a pretty nutrient and that's a pretty calorie dense drink. Yeah. So like, I mean, I just like to stick to the Roctane. Um, personally, like it, it works, it works well for me. Sure. Um, but then just out of convenience too. Um, it's less you have to carry if it's all right there. Yeah, and then I'll just like kind of like uh, complement that with like real food at aid stations um, when I can. Um, but you hadn't come into any of these aid stations hungry. No, Which I, I guess between not. aid stations, that's kind of the goal is you don't want to come into an aid station hungry. If you come in hungry, you're you're kind of behind and that's that's tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Not, I hadn't come into an aid station hungry at that point. So I mean, I was still, I was doing pretty well nutritionally. Mm -hmm. um but yeah that uh Cunner date station that was roughly 26 or 27 miles in um I hit that in about six hours race time elapsed um but coming into there I felt more um more tired than I really would have liked to um and I was definitely feeling warm at that point not just like tired or overheated, but I was, I was definitely warm. What's that? Like physically tired or like lack of sleep tired? Because they're kind of different. Just, just like, you know, I'd 
been running for six hours tired. Um, but, but no yeah. worse. I know that you had texted us. I don't know if this was before or shortly after when you said uh, that you felt worse than you had at any point in Hellbender. Um, was this kind of, was that text before, after, or around this same time? No, that was, that was after. Okay. Um, yeah. Going you felt more of, tired, more tired than you should, than you thought you would have after running for six hours. Yeah. Especially like, you know, when you still have 74 or five miles ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, going out of that aid station to the next one um, was around an 11 mile distance in between them. Um, and that was probably one of the more challenging sections of the course that day. Um, obviously a long section between eight stations, but you go out of that eight station to one of the steepest climbs on the course. Um, it's paved, so it's not really like technical or anything like that, but it's steep and probably one of the longer, longest climbs on that course in terms of mileage. Um, and since it's on the road too, it is pretty exposed. So the sun's beating down on you. And so this would have been like, you know, just afternoon. Um, so definitely get into the hottest part of the day. Um, and again, with that 11 mile section, that was a long ways to go, like without an aid station or being able to like refill. Um, that is a long, that is, that is yeah, long, I didn't sorry. go completely dry. Like I didn't like run completely out of fluids, but I was definitely glad to get to that netic state station um i know a lot of people out on that course you know went dry um i know some people who you know filtered some water in between but honestly i don't know where they would have gotten that from because there's also not really many water sources between there either um especially with this little rainfall as they've been up there leading up to the race um but yeah, after you get out of that, that climb, you step onto a section called the Kmore Trail. Um, a lot of just up and down rollers, little rollers and stuff. Um, a couple little steep and technical sections, but nothing too bad until you get about to mile 35-ish. Um, and that's where you hit this climb called the Kmore Matters Trail Climb. Um, there used to be like, a, again, there used to be like a mining operation there. And there's all kinds of like really cool ruins out there if you're ever in the area. Um, super cool to check out. But you go up on this trail and it is like the steepest trail on that course. And also just really technical with some just weird shaped steps and rocks and stuff you have to climb up. Um, and then we turned off of there and onto this new section of the course, onto this trail that had just been built. Um, which is a really cool section. Um, you go along these really scenic bluffs and stuff. It reminded me of being on the uh, bluff trail up at Lookout Mountain in Chattanooga um, on that section, like, you know, the Big Daddy Loop. Um, but yeah, just some really cool bluffs. There are a lot of people out there climbing. Um, but it's also a really technical section. Um, so it's kind of slow going through there. Um, hit this overlook called the Long Point Overlook. And then... Yeah, where you have a nice view of like the River Gorge Bridge. Um, that's on the back, of, you know, the West Virginia State Quarter. Um, then we got into the aid station around mile 37 or 38. Um, and that's where I was really feeling like I was moving slowly and just a little tired, like I said. What were your splits at this at this time? Do you have that? So uh, off the top of my head, I know that my split through the first 50K was just under seven and a half hours, um, which is not bad by any means. Um, I know there's like a lot of 50Ks where that'd be like a decent time. But if I were to compare this, and I know comparing things is kind of like a dangerous game to play. If I look at my splits last year, I ran through the first 50K in just under seven hours. Um, again, that was in much colder weather, so I had that going for me then. Um, so it was about a half hour slower through the first 50K. Okay, so this little bit from that that 11-mile, that's, that's a long stretch between aid stations. Wow. Um, yes. so, so it looks like just looking at your times – 
it looks like somewhere around the marathon point is when things kind of went kind of went south for you because you were you were in the 13s at that point then after that it looks like you know it looks like you had an eighth station stop but then after that it looks like you you know you you were in the 17s pretty much or more uh all the way to the end except for around mile 30 where you you got like around a 15 minute mile so it looks like somewhere around that marathon point was when things really started turning turning south for you at least statistically well um yeah that's when when it would have been hottest if it's six hours you know the 6 a.m start time that's right around noon that's when it starts to get real warm for him yeah, yeah. And like I said, too, uh, another thing to remember is that first 26 or 27 miles is the most runnable section of that course. Uh, you can blaze through that real fast if you want or if you're not careful. Um, but yeah, um, that's where I was starting to feel just kind of like sluggish and slow um, and kind of like I wasn't able to run like I knew that <clears throat> I could. Um. Speaking of heat, have you done a sweat test to know how much water, like how much fluid you need to be taking in? Had Aaron had you, Aaron, your coach, right? Had he had you do anything like that? No, I mean, um, he's suggested it before. It's just not something I've ever done. Mm-hmm. That's how I found out that in, and I, the first time I ever did it, I was like, wow, there's no way that I need 58 ounces of water on an hour long run. I was like, there's no way now yeah. and, they're, and they're subjective. I mean, if you go out and it's 95 degrees and you go for an hour and you don't take anything and you come back and weigh yourself, yeah, you're going to be significantly lighter. Um, so you try to find it, you know, at a decent time, that's not too cold, not too hot, you know, with no, you know, control it as much as you can but that you know we did i think i ended up doing four sweat tests and the lowest i ever came back with was like 48 ounces um so i know if i go out for an hour i'm gonna have to take some sort of at least just plain old water um i wasn't sure if you had done anything like that to know okay you know i do need a little bit more water you know i'm a heavy sweater so it is what it is um just to see if you could had had any game plan with that but yeah, I had never, I never bothered doing that. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's some value to it. Um, I don't know. I'm, I, like, you know, the data is cool and all that, but I tend to be more on the side of running by, running by fuel. Um, it's like, you know, drink when I'm thirsty, eat when I'm hungry. Um, if I haven't eaten in a couple hours, then I probably need to eat something. Um, I just, I just try to keep things, you know, pretty, pretty simple. Um, I don't want to have like, you know, like a lot of decisions or to make during like, um, an already like stressful event, but you know, that's me. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, I know there's, you know, some value to it. It's just, just not something I'd fold with. Sure. Someone once I, I read it somewhere or someone said it, I can't remember, but someone was like ultra running treat ultra running and treat it like it, like you would, if you were a dog, if you're thirsty, you drink, if you're hungry, you eat, just do what a dog would do. And it's like, Oh, well, okay. I mean, I guess you're not terribly wrong on that. Yeah. I think I, 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 I think I agree with that to, to an extent because I, I know that in all of my hundred mile failures, um, there were some where, um, I didn't think I needed stuff, you know, especially I think that that second year that I DNF'd with John, um, that was a case of me not drinking enough, thinking I didn't need anything. And in reality, I should have been drinking a lot more because my body needed it. But in the reality of the time, I didn't feel like I needed it, if that makes sense, because it was cooler outside. It was rainy the majority of the time. I wasn't drinking nearly as much because I wasn't hot. I wasn't exerting. I wasn't sweating as much. Um, 
so I think to some extent, yeah, I mean, I can, I can, I can fall into that, into some of that, but at the same time, I think there, there has to be some sort of game plan around just ensuring that you're taking enough in to, to be able, because like you said, if, 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 if you wait till it happens, then it's too late. Yeah. I've always heard beware the calorie deficit, you know, <clears throat> you, you could not be hungry until you are hungry and you know in something like ultra running once you get hungry it's too late you're already your body's already in a deficit yeah that's hard to come back from for sure and and, um, and i can tell you the best year that i did at the yeti um which was year one um you know i attribute a lot of that to the fact that you know i was i was eating i was eating well i was you know i i i, I was struggling at the end to eat but leading up for a long time anytime that will or sam gave me something i remember there was one time will handed me something and i told him i didn't want it and he was like eat the damn sandwich and and i ate and i ate it and and in reality you know it, it's what i needed because you know you you don't want to fall into that into that deficit because it's so hard to climb out of it was was that the sandwich that the dog licked and you didn't probably. know about it probably there was a sandwich that was made that was dropped on the ground or a uh i heard tales dog. of that sandwich yeah the, and we we brushed most of the hair off from it and very good we fed it to jason it's probably the best sandwich i had out of all three years well but anyway back to john so so anyway i don't know what mile we're at. i think we're around mile 38 so yeah i remember you texting us at mile 50 you know, and you seem like you were doing okay at 50. Were you, you know, like, did you feel like you were kind of improving at that point? I mean, you seemed better at 50 than you did earlier. Yeah. Um, so from 38 to 43, um, you go down, you drop down from the A station, have like a, like a net downhill. Well, it's mostly downhill. Um, into this area called Fayette, um, where there's an aid station, um, big aid station since it was like <clears throat> crew accessible and stuff. And I had to drop back down there. Um, so I wasn't moving very quickly, but um, not bad, especially, you know, with the net downhill. Um, and I got down there um, and I was behind, you know, splits that had made that had um that had uh my splits from the previous years uh to that point um i was trying not to let it get in my head too much um but it probably well i mean it did a little bit um but i got down there um uh, and i was like all right let me just sit down here for a few minutes and just take an extra minute or two and just try to refocus um had you know more had, had a quesadilla with dipped in like mashed potatoes which was delicious uh, and washed that down with a mountain dew um also delicious um you're you're there. well ahead of cutoffs at this point still right oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah um but i also knew like the next section um it was going to be a little bit more difficult um, just uh, in terms of like technicality and a little bit more <clears throat> like uh, climbing and stuff. Um, and let's see, probably not one of the more interesting sections on that course until you turn up this like three, two or three mile climb up into the aid station at um just past mile 15 you turn around and go back but um i was go i took off onto that section um and that's where i was starting to get like a little bit discouraged with like how slowly i was moving um then also dealt with the sun setting at that point um you know on a perfect day i would have liked to get to like you know the turnaround point uh just past 50 uh before the sunset just mentally I feel like that just makes like a world of difference and I was and I know that I'm capable of that because like um last year I think my split up to that aid station was 
about 11 hours and 40 minutes. Um, but this year, you know, I got up there and it was past like 14 hours. So obviously there's a huge difference there. Um, and I got up to that aid station and I tried to do like, you know, just a little mental reset to, um, got up there and like used like a real bathroom for the first time that day, uh, which is pretty nice. Um, and just took in some, a little bit extra food and just tried to stretch out the legs a little bit. Um, it had rained just a, for just a few minutes and the grass had gotten like nice and cold. And I don't know. That just felt good down the legs. Um, now you had been going to the bathroom pretty regularly up to this point. Like that was not a, there weren't oh, any yeah, problems yeah. with that. Right. Everything oh was, yeah. Okay. But, yeah. No. Just, just, just knowing how your training block went, which is essentially the whole year. I mean, you've been pretty consistent, you know, I know you, Sidebar, you're probably trying to run the year again this year, aren't you? Um, that's a loose goal I put out. Uh, I'm not just a huge fan of just having like a yearly mileage goal just to mm-hmm. run miles. That's not something that just appeals to me. But if I'm like, you know, close to like running the year, so to speak, then, you know, sure, I'll go for it. Um. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. You should not have been. I'm just trying to think of anything that could have been why you were tired. And I really, I mean, I've I've scratched my head a lot this week on it for you, and I, <laughs> I have no clue. So, yeah, I mean, um, the heat definitely played a factor. I don't know if it was the defining factor. Um, Mentally, I don't know. I probably got in my head a little bit, just you know, knowing like you know, all my splits from last year, and just really wanting to like do better than I was doing. Um, now, when so you go into that, and when you go into that mental hole, do you have any sort of mantra that you turn to? Any sort of anything at all to try to bring you out of that. Cause that's, that's a slippery slope. If you start to, to get down on yourself, like I try to be as positive as I can out there. Um, I just cry. isn't hard. You just cry. Is that what you said? I just, I just, I just cry because I know I'm about to fail and I just start sobbing uncontrollably. And then, uh, you know, usually call Will's name out, hoping that something will happen positive for me. Sure you're not nothing. crying because you know you're going to see me at the next aid station. Is it a cry out of fear or a cry out like a lost puppy at a door? Like, let me in. Will. This is like, Will, let me let this end. <laughs> let this, let this, let this end. But, but what is your mantra, John? Yeah, let's get into the mind of John here. <laughs> this is, dude, if he. Don't, don't be a Jason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, don't I let really, don't let the three guys like down. Jason, Someone's got to finish. Hey, I, I think you guys have attempted more hundreds than I have, and I failed miserably at the one I did. So, it, please, we let <clears> it go. Well, I asked myself if I was crewing one of you guys right now and in the same situation, what would I tell y'all? But um, you would, no, you would I hand mean, us a piece of candy. That's what you would do. A Werther's original. Yeah. Would you like a Werther's? Yeah, but I mean, um, but seriously, though, I mean, uh, when I was at the state station at the turnaround, um, you know, obviously well past where I wanted to be. Um, I was asking myself, can I physically finish this race? And am I prepared to take up to you know, the next 17 or 18 hours, if I need to, am I willing to go to that point? Um, and honestly, I don't know if, 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 I, if I was, like I told myself I was, but I honestly don't know if I was. Um, <clears throat> um, but yeah, I mean, coming out of, you know, that aid station, um, you know, and to hit the next two, a station spine, um, obviously slow, uh, but still moving. Um, hit, you know, hit the A station at 57 or 8. Um, yeah, started climbing back uphill from there to 
the aid station at 63. Um, one thing uh, that I wish I'd done differently there was I put my poles in my drop bag that I was gonna see at 80. I thought I honestly could have made it, was gonna be able to make it to that point. Um, and I didn't wanna like tear them if I wasn't gonna be using them just cause so much of like the section between 63 and 80 is just a bunch of little rollers and I was gonna have to like juggle them and stuff. Um, and either like carry them or pack them in and whip them back out like a lot. And I, I didn't really want to fool with that and thought I was in decent enough climbing shape. I wouldn't have needed it. But with the way I was moving, I wish I'd put them in my drop bag that I was going to see at mile 43 um, and then again at like 57 or 8. Um, just because there are a couple climbs there that I really would have liked to have those on. And I don't know, maybe they would help me, maybe they wouldn't have, but that is one logistical thing I wish I would have done differently. Um, now, at this point, I mean, are you fighting the cutoffs or are cutoffs creeping up on you at this point? No, when I get into the aid station at mile 63-ish, like I still, well, I had a cutoff. Like I, it's not something I had to really, I was really like worried about. Um, it was coming out of there that was rough. Um, just because the section between 63 and 71 um, at the aid station where I ended up dropping, it gets into like this mountain bike trail section. Um, <laughs> um, and it's in the middle of the night, you know, getting into that time of night where you're just men <laughs> where you're just like mentally just beat up, tired and stuff uh especially if you're already struggling um and a lot of just like little rollers and ups and downs um it's not the most interesting trails or anything um you know that's all excuses and stuff but you know that late into the race it was it, it was a tough it was a it was it was a tough section mentally now you text us about that section right you said there was one section that you said this next section is going to be really tough and I can't remember which one it was. That was either coming out of the eighth station at 57 or 8, uh, when I had to start like climbing back up a little bit, or after the eighth station at 63, going into that loop. Okay. I, yeah, I just remember you saying, you know, this next section. Now, do you think maybe all of your knowledge about the course may have potentially been a handicap and not a tool? That's because, a, because you had two years worth of splits, and I know you're a very analytical guy. To be like, that's a good question. Like on one hand, like it's like I know which sections of that course, like my strengths are suited for, and which are like you know runnable, uh, or you know where you can make up time, where you're going to need some extra time, and all that, or which sections are going to be tough, um, and you know how to prepare myself mentally for each section. But on the other hand, you know, you don't have that like novelty of seeing something new for the first time and just keeping you uh, fresh mentally, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe you're like, okay, I know this next section. I'm not going to like this section because I know what it is. I've been here a bunch. And I just feel like sometimes that could be a mental block that could be hard to get around. Like I know this section and I'm not going to like this section that could, you know, maybe put you in a bit of a mental hole. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, like I said, yeah, I did know like, you know, this section from 63 to 71 wasn't going to be that interesting. Um, and probably be tough mentally. Um, especially it was gonna... boring. Like I hate boring stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. And, you know, since I was kind of like struggling to like, stay moving very quickly there um i don't know that's that's where i was starting to we're start, starting to go south mentally um i don't know that like you know completely like checked out mentally but i wasn't also also wasn't like you know nearly like as engaged or inspired as i was you know much earlier even in previous years there so um i knew it was going to be a challenge to get to that cutoff at 71, um, especially with the way I was moving through that section. Um, when I got to that aid station at mile 71, 
they told me cutoffs in 30 seconds. If you want to go, go for it, but you need to get out of here. Um, and How much of you great. wanted to say fuck it and send it? <laughs> I mean, part of me did, but also I knew like that's, that next nine mile section was going to be real tough to get through with the way I was moving. And I knew I was really going to have to push it to 80. And I really don't know that I could have made it to 80, um, especially with as little time as I was going to be allowed at that aid station. Well, virtually no time at all at that aid station. I knew I was probably going to need more attention or time to like uh, just refresh myself there and move on. So you... So you, you you timed out and, you know, was it one of those things where, you know, when, when did, when, when, when was that point that you realized like that it was that you were going to be done? I mean, did you in between that point, was it closer to, you know, I, I know you said you were like 30 seconds from, from missing the time, like, you know, you know, how was that, that final little, what was that final little push like? Yeah. I mean, I sat down in a chair there and, you know, sweeper came in probably not even two minutes later and there were four of us there. And, you know, when he came in, I looked over at all of them. And I think that's kind of like when it just kind of hit me that, you know, it was done. Um, I, I mean, um, how, are you you know, mentally, how are you mentally at that point? Like when you see that sweeper come through? Like, I mean, I wasn't like, you know, breaking down and crying or anything like that. But I was, that's that. That's probably where I got, I probably got like, you know, a little emotional and I realized, you know, you know, this is it. My day's done. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's always disappointing not to, not to finish those. And if anybody can, you know, relate to that, it's, it's, it's me, but I think, you know, I think you definitely, you know, you, you put in a solid effort and making it as far as you made it. It was just like Colleen was saying tonight was a solid effort on, on a tough course. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's commendable, you know, pushing as far as you did because it sounded like you were in a, in a really bad place on and off for a very long time. Um, so I, I, I think that's definitely commendable. So, you know, that's, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, disappointing not to finish it but 100 milers are hard um it's kind of the point um you know i hate that i wasn't able to get you know three in a row there just because you know that would have been something real special just to get you know a finish at each of the first three runnings of that race um um yeah i don't i don't know if i have a whole lot else but um ultimately you know just take lessons learned, move on, learn something from each, you know, failure. Um, you know, I truly believe that it's not, a, it's not actually a failure as long as you learn something. So. I agree with you a hundred percent. So what are you taking away from this race? What's your lesson? Uh, yeah, good question. <laughs> um, it's still pretty fresh, so you know I've still got some thinking to do on it. Um, I mean, in terms of training, you know, there's no perfect training cycle. There's always something you can tweak and stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I'd have to. Pro- I feel like I might, you know, adjust my game just mentally. Like, I don't feel like I went into this race, you know, cocky per se that you know I was going to be able to finish it, but I was definitely confident maybe erring on the side of overconfidence that you know since i had finished it twice before um and then yeah just thinking about ways to like adjust on the fly when stuff goes bad and then you know figuring out 
you know, how to push yourself, you know, when you are moving slowly, um, figuring out, you know, how to prepare yourself for going that full 30, 31, 32 hours if you need to. I, I, I think that that's, you know, I think that's a good take on it. I know, you know, each of mine, I've, I've, I took something back from each of them. So, you know, I, you know, I, I think, I think at that, I mean, I think we probably, probably can end there. I mean, do you guys, you guys have anything else you like to throw into the mix? No, I think I've got some other questions that, you know, aren't, aren't worth necessarily the podcast time. So um, I'll ask them later. Well, did I just hear whiskey? Yeah, the dog's being a shit. Okay. I thought she was offering whiskey. No. No, I do have some peanut butter whiskey if you want it. But no, the dog whiskey is being a shit. He's got something to Larkins that he's not supposed to have. Well, well, then on that note, I guess we will we will call it a night until the next time. That is all for this episode of the Trail Trash Podcast. Peace out. Bitches.